Good to see everybody. As uh, awesome to have fifth through ninth graders here. Happy Father's Day again to all the dads. Man, you know, uh, we, we really love the culture of family here because as you know, if you're a man, whether you have kids or not, or they're out of the house, you're still called to be a father regardless, right? Um, you know, God called us to be a father regardless of the age, regardless of whatever. It's like, it's that figure, you know, that is, is it, we're supposed to reflect the heart of the Father or Father God, you know, unto people. And we live in such a fatherless generation. Nick was just sharing yesterday a men's breakfast, which was amazing. How many men were there? It was so good, you know. And I think uh, we discovered the key. It was just going to bring burritos and then everybody shows up. So we're just going to keep doing that, you know. If that's all it takes, I mean, even Tom will come, right, for burritos, yeah. They were so good. But, um, you know, we, we live in such a fatherless generation that that's the real epidemic. It's, a, it's fatherlessness. And out of there, you know, stems so many things. And so you're very important. You know, your role in this church, you don't need a, a, a pastor a tag or you don't need a, you know, elder label or any, any of that. You're a man. You, you have a relationship with God. And then, you know, you, you start influencing those around you. And, you know, uh, people gravitate towards you because you have the Father's heart. And so... Anyways, um, we're so thankful for all the spiritual fathers and all the fathers in this house, you know, and we just encourage you, like, rise up to that, you know, to that calling, whether your kids are out of the house or not, you know, it doesn't matter, um, you're still called to do that, amen? So, um, we have Tom Crandall with us, for those of you who don't know, Tom Crandall's one of the leaders at Bethel in Redding, California, and um, we, we've connected over the years, uh, we met a, f- a few years ago. Um, up in Reading, and then kind of just reconnected afterwards, and slowly he did a Zoom call uh, for our youth during the pandemic. Um, it, it was awesome, and then we took our youth to Young Saints in San Diego um, before the pandemic, and we just we just had like little moments, but we we gotten to spend some time together, and God's spoken to him about doing something here in Arizona, and uh, he'll tell you more about that. But as many of you know. The Lord spoke to me last year that this is a year to activate evangelism in our church, you know, to make room for those that are called to that, that have a passion, you know, to to go and tell people about Jesus and, and to make room for them. And so we've had uh, several evangelists come, you know, Chris Overstreet and, and then uh, a couple other people that came at the beginning of the year. And then out of nowhere, you know, he called me and he just happened to be in town and we said, hey, come on in. And so he's going to share with you a little bit of what, what God's doing and then he has an awesome, awesome, powerful message for us. But um, let's, uh, let's welcome Tom Crandall. Give it up for him. Amen. Arizona. Good to see you. <laughs> Man, Daniel, Pastor, Pastor, um, Daniel, I just called you Daniel. Benjamin, you're, you're amazing and very tall. I'm not short, you're tall, all right? That's why when we stand next to each other, next service when he translates for me, it's going to be, anyways. You've had Steve Backlund here before. Steve and I did some video announcements one time, and we're both standing next to each other, and everybody was just like, because I'm like, hey, Steve. Anyways, praise God. I'm good to, glad to just be with you guys today. What, a, what an awesome church. Man, it's just so fun to be in a house that you can feel the culture in it. I don't know if you understand what I'm exa- exactly saying here, but you can feel the culture of the kingdom of God in this house. You can feel the culture of family. You can feel the culture of 
generosity. You can feel the culture of so many things in the kingdom, a culture of hope. Man, I just feel a culture of celebration. When you guys are just celebrating fathers, I'm like, that's just a massive part of the kingdom of God. And uh, Pastor Benjamin, I want to tell you right now, that is a, a extension of your heart. I can see what you've been fostering here, you and obviously so many others. And uh, it's just an honor for me to be here today. Honor for me to be here. Excited to be here. Excited to be in the house of God. Amen. And uh, I've just got a couple of things here. I just need to get out of the way because um, this is really important. And I can't miss this moment because I'm a dad. Been married 22 years to the hottest woman in the world, Leslie. Now, I, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was born and raised there. No, I'm not Mormon. I'm not here to indoctrinate you into lies. Um, and I have one wife. Praise God. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> but I got radically saved in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. Radically saved. I grew up in a church knowing God, and as a, as a kid, I used to draw crosses, and I used to draw, um, I drew a picture of a woman, I still have the picture, my mom gave it to me, it was awesome. I drew a picture of a woman, she had tears streaming down her face, she had the sickest mullet you'd ever seen. Business in the front, party in the back, I mean, it was flowing mullet, right? This is late 80s. Tears streaming down her face, and at the bottom I wrote, repent for your sins. This spirit of evangelism is something God put in me as a child. To just see the world know how to get right with God. Preaching the gospel is the greatest privilege of my life next to being a husband and a father. Yesterday I'm on your streets right here in Phoenix, Arizona. And I went to um, Sandwich Shop, Mike, whatever it's called, Jersey Mike's. And I looked at the person across the way and I said, what's your name? He said, Pancho. I said, my name's Tom. And he puts my name down. And I said, do you know that God loves you? Simple, right? Can you say that to somebody? God loves you? Can you say that? Do you know how to say that to somebody? Hey, do you know that God loves you? And you don't got to say it like Tom. You can say it like yourself. And he goes, what, what would make you say that? He was shocked that somebody would say that. And I said, because it's true. And he does. And I just, I want to tell you right now that God loves you. He cares about you. And this kid was just sitting there, and I just began to just preach the gospel. And he was sitting there, and all of a sudden he goes, I, I needed to hear this today so bad. And he was overwhelmed with the love of God as I shared with him the simple gospel and how he could get right with God. It was such a moment. Then I'm walking out, and there's a whole bunch of guys there. I said, hey, guys, can I just share something with you? I said, yeah, and I just, Jesus loves you. Simple. Ah, it's just fun to be me. Is it fun to be you? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. We can just go for it. You might say, I'm not loud. I'm not a crazy personality. I'm not, I'm not moved because of my personality to share Christ with people. I'm moved with conviction. I've had an encounter with God. And I owe the world what God's given me. It's pretty simple. Hey, all right. But I got something really important I need to do here. Because it's Father's Day, you can't have a good Father's Day without reading some honest Father's Day jokes. <laughs> when I was little, my dad had me convinced that the ice cream truck only played music when it was sold out. 
that's just wrong, man. <laughs> Did anybody here ever do that? Okay, come to the altars, repent, sinner. <laughs> How does a computer get drunk? It takes a screenshot. That was bad. Screenshot. Some of you younger kids are like, what's the screenshot? It's good. My, do- my, my boss told me, have a good day, so I went home. <laughs> my landlord called, said, we need to talk about how high my AC bill is. I said, stop by any time, my door is always open. You guys aren't laughing on the front row. I ain't afraid. I brought my own encouragement, all right? I've been preaching to you guys for 20 years. Kill a bag of Doritos on the front row, whatever, it don't stop me. Not intimidated by a teeny stone face, just looking at me like. <laughs> just kidding. My wife tells me I have two major faults. Number one, I don't listen. Number two, something else. (laughs) Grab your Bibles, go to 2 Kings chapter 6. And uh, I do have uh, one thing I want to give away. I wrote a book several years ago. It's called Your Life Speaks. How many guys know most unbelievers are not reading the Bible? They're not reading the Bible. But if you're following Christ, they are reading you. Amen. We owe the world an encounter with God, like, like the words that we, the words that we uh, that we speak over our lives, the, the beliefs that we carry, the choices we make that shape us. It all shapes what our life is speaking. And I wrote this book for, for two types of people. This is appropriate. It's Father's Day. I wrote this book for, for teenagers and for fathers, because it's full of stories and it's short. Amen. There we go. Just kidding. We don't like a lot of fluff in there. I'm just kidding. This is a book. For, anybody can read this. But I want to give this to a, to a young person right now who wants to lead revival on your campus. Who wants to lead revival on your campus? Anybody here? Okay, I saw that hand. I'm an evangelist. So I see a hand go up quickly. Oh. You thought I was going to do that to you. Right back here, you want to lead revival on your campus? What's your name, son? Trey? Trent. Get it, buddy. Go get it. Get him a hand. So good. We have it for sale back there, 12 bucks. Pick it up. Buy one for your uncle, whoever. Just kidding. And uh, so good. I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. I had a radical encounter with God growing up. And, um, and I just didn't know what to do. After I encountered the Lord, I'd drive down the, the, the road in Salt Lake, and I'd look at the mountains, and I would weep and cry because I'd say, there's something welled up in my heart. The same God who made those mountains died on a cross for me. And there was just a connection in my heart as God became so personal to me. And uh, I would pray on my way to work, God, just let me talk to two people about you today. Just let me talk to two people about you today. And I'd go to work, and it was just like, it would just, it would just happen. Because it was from the, the overflow of my heart. And... Um, so I, I'm going to share a little bit today. I have a word, but I love to preach the gospel. I love to, I love to help people find God. But I, I do have a couple of words I want to just share. Um, Benjamin, I was praying for you this morning, and uh, and I heard the words "Father of Revival" over your life. 
and I, and I, I, I had this sense, it's starting in Phoenix, and I just had the words, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. I feel like God is going to, over time, raise you up as a father of revival in Mesa, and in Phoenix, and in America, because of what you said yes to in your heart. And I just, I don't know if the, if the number 15, 15 years old means anything to you, but I just saw something around 15 years old, God marking you as a young person, and, and you said yes to God in your heart. And I saw also, um, in the next five to seven years, I saw a giant breakthrough coming for this church and in your life. And then, I don't know, there's not, not to say there's not gonna be other breakthroughs, but I just feel in the next five to seven years, I saw a breakthrough, I saw church, I saw you dreaming about land. I'm just gonna put this out there, you can do what you want with it. I saw you dreaming about land, I saw multiple buildings to build and, and build on what the house to what God wants to do in this place. I feel like this is a house of dreams, you guys are dreaming. Come on, if you're like, yes, just grab it. <clears throat> this is a house of dreams uh, where dreams are gonna come true. Because God, your father, is, 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 it's a place where you can co-labor with him. But I just saw in the next five to seven years, there's going to be just a, a massive breakthrough for this church. And then um, your daughter, Caden, is she in here? Caden, when you're up here leading worship, I just, I was looking at you and I just, I had this sense, like, I don't know if you know who Kim Walker Smith is, but I just had, I had this sense, like, you're going to have a breakout season like Kim Walker Smith. I just saw you breaking out, like, like, you're going to be like Caden, not like Kim, but there's this breakout thing coming on you and you got a house of people just celebrating who you are and I just want to encourage you to just just go for it and then is this one Hannah Hannah I just I heard um, I don't know I just, do you like to paint eh are you more of a dancer you like to dance eh all right neither one don't worry about it I just saw you just developing this intimacy with the Lord through what you love to do I don't know if it's reading or whatnot but like but like there's this intimacy with the Lord. I just see you just drawing close to God in this next season in your room, just reading and just through, 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 through the fun things that you love to do, through you just being yourself. And so can we just celebrate Benjamin and the family here? Bless these guys. Come on. So good. Second Kings chapter 6, I want to just share a word with you that's been on my heart for a while. And um, it's not, I'm gonna warn you guys, it's not like a Father's Day message, but fathers, we can, we can hear through this. Amen. Second Kings chapter six, just to give you some background, Elisha was in a tent. He'd been messing with the enemies of God for a while. Everywhere the enemy went, he would, the enemy would come and he would talk to his advisors in secret and he would tell them we're going to go do this and we're going to go plunder this and we're going to do this thing over here and God would speak to Elijah the very things the secrets that this evil king was stating and then Elijah would 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 rat out his plans and and just you know void his plans and he got so mad he said go find Elijah we're going to kill him so the, the, the armies of, of the enemy, they came to of Syria. They came to get Elisha. And when they came and they surrounded Elisha, this, this father, Elisha, was sitting there in his tent. And he had a servant named Gehazi. Everybody say Gehazi. Gehazi's sitting there and he looks outside of his tent. And he sees this massive army surrounding him. How many guys ever felt surrounded? How many guys ever felt like anxiety is crashing in on you? 
How many of you guys ever have a thought that makes you spin out? How many of you guys ever feel like your marriage is, is on the rocks and there's nothing you can do and you're just like, I'm being suffocated. Don't laugh, fathers. It's not the, don't, look at, don't look at each other right now either. Gehazi's sitting there like, we're all going to die. And Elisha is not moved. He's like Brother Carlos over here. Carlos has been in the glory, man. He's, just, he's seen the face of God. He knows the word. He's sitting in the promises. And he's like, God's got this. Amen. He looks at him and he says, he comes in, he says, the armies, they're all out there. They're, they're coming. You guys remember the, the show, the TV show MASH? I'm not talking to you guys right now. Y'all remember MASH? Remember, remember uh, what's the little guy with the glasses? Uh, radar would come up. Radar's freaking out. You know? And Elisha prays this prayer. Lord, open his eyes that he can see. You see, sometimes we need fathers to help us see. Sometimes we need somebody else who's been there to help us see. He prays for him. And then he says, go look again. He walks back out there and he sees the army. It's there. Faith doesn't deny the reality of a problem. It just refuses to let it have the final word. Hey. He looks out there, and what does he see? He sees the army of heaven surrounding the army of the enemy. <laughs> he sees angels and chariots and flaming swords. The angels of God that have been face to face with the Lord standing around the enemy. And he's like, oh, we win. And then Elijah prays, strike them with blindness, and bam, they can't see. And Gehazi says, should we kill them all now? Elisha, because he knows the heart of the father, he says, no. He leads them back into the city. And then they open their eyes and he feeds them. And then from that day forward, this enemy of Israel stopped invading Israel's army. You see, fathers are wise. Fathers, they see long before us. So I, I love this house because you guys have, you celebrate the fathers and obviously mothers too. In fact, you know, somebody once said that, uh, you know, I, I am the head of the household, but the wife, she turns my neck and makes it look where I want it to go. That's the truth. But Elisha opens up Gehazi's eyes to see. What this generation needs is fathers to walk up to a young man who's losing his mind on his high school campus and tell him what he sees. Young people are walking around today wondering, who am I? Where do I find my value? Where do I find my purpose? And it's mothers and fathers who have seen the face of God that can look at a young person and impart life and impart identity. Amen. I just walk around. This, yesterday, I'm walking around the streets. I'm going to go get a sandwich. And there's these four or five guys just standing there in the parking lot all around their vehicles. And I just walked right up to them and I said, 
guys, can I just tell y'all something, some good news? And I smiled. Who can deny this face when I'm smiling? Just like this guy right here. Who can deny that face? And they were like, yeah. And I said, man, God loves you guys. He really cares about y'all. They're like, oh. And then I said, you could be right now in the midst of the biggest drug deal in the world, but Jesus would still draw near to you. And then I had this sense, that's what they're doing. (laughs) This little white guy better get out of here, you know. (laughs) Then I came back, and I just began to preach to them. I just, something came over me, and I just looked at them all, and I put my hands in one of their trucks. They had three trucks lined up. I said, don't follow the world. It's lying to you. And this guy goes, I hope not. I said, it is. Follow Jesus. And I just had this sense as I'm preaching, like I'm just telling them what their grandma's saying. This generation needs fathers to come alongside of them and tell them what God sees. Amen. So 2 Kings chapter 7 comes along and Syria lays besiege of Samaria. This, this, tell me if you can see, as I go through this, you can see a spiritual correlation of what happened in this nation then compared to what's happening in America today. The nation of Syria lays siege of Samaria. Famine breaks out in Samaria, in, in Samaria because of this laying siege of the nation. A donkey's head is sold for 80 pieces of silver. Let me translate, that's a lot of money. You're welcome. You want to buy a donkey's head? No, you don't want a donkey's head. Well, if you ain't got no food, that's, that's how, much, how much it's going to cost. A cup of dove, dove poop is five pieces of silver. You guys ever complain about eating, you know, your mom's cooking? Just thankfully you ain't got no dove poop, all right? Thank you, mom. This is all they had for dinner. There was a great famine. Inflation was through the roof. People begin to lose their minds. Two ladies come up and they say, hey, let's boil my kid today. We'll eat him. Boil yours tomorrow. So they they do it. The one day they boil their, their kid. The next day they go to boil hers and she took off with her kid. People losing their minds. The woman who boiled her kid goes to the king who's up on top of the, the gates and says, hey, I need help. And the king's like, what? And she explains the situation. Me and this lady agreed. I boiled my kid yesterday. She ran away and didn't want to boil hers. And he tears his clothes. How am I going to save you? He's freaking out. He's losing his mind. Why? Because politics, his laws, everything he wants to do, it ain't going to save nothing. There is no political solution that's going to turn America back to God. It is revival alone. Lost their marbles. Today we've got people wanting to abort their baby. How, how, do, you, how do you do this? You have, when you dehumanize something, you can do whatever you want with it. Hitler did it with the Jews years ago. People did it with African Americans years ago. When you dehumanize somebody. Now today we're dehumanizing the unborn. And whenever you dehumanize somebody, you can do whatever you want with them. You can control them. Can you see what the enemy is doing today? And there is, a, there is an uprising right now of righteousness whew, like I've never seen before. There are people standing up saying, abortion is murder. Stop the killing of the unborn. 
And there is a wave of righteousness sweeping through America right now, standing for the life of the unborn. People would say today, well, what about if it's no Down syndrome? Can you abort a family? I have one question. Is it a human being or is it not a human being? If it's a human being, it has a right to life. I know I'm preaching to the choir in this church. And let me just be clear. If you're in this place and you've had an abortion, there is zero condemnation in Christ. None. You are forgiven. The Lord doesn't hold it against you, and you shouldn't hold it against yourself either. You are forgiven, and you are loved. But this is what was going on in this nation. They were losing their minds. That's what's happening in America today. When you feel like you can change your gender, take on a different identity, become something else that, that is against God's design, you know that the, the nation has lost its marbles. It's crackers done gone out the window, okay? We've lost the sanity. Why? Because there's a lack of fathers that are standing in place of young people to say, that's not true. That's a lie. I feel this way. Your feelings are lying to you. We need fathers to stand up and say, son, you're wrong. We need fathers to stand up and say, that's not who you are. This is who you are. We need fathers today to stand up and say, this is what God says about Mesa, Arizona. We need fathers to stand up in these certain places. Where, where am I supposed to go? You're just supposed to go where God's already called you. If you change oil at Jiffy Lube, then go be a father at Jiffy Lube. If you ever, you're a CEO of a company, then you be the CEO. If you're you know, a pastor at church, then you, you stand wherever God has put you. He takes you like leaven and he sows you into your city. America's in trouble. Last Last summer, I'm sitting there in my house. I've been a youth pastor. I, I, I got called as an evangelist as a young man. Immediately went to the streets, began to win souls. It's what God put inside of me. And then the Lord put me in front of a generation and said, they're all in a valley of decision. So I said, I'll go. So I began to just preach to teenagers. I love seeing teenagers encounter God. I've seen cutting scars on kids' arms vanish. I was at one youth camp, and I just got so mad at seeing kids get destroyed that I stood up at the beginning of the camp, and I said, cutting scars are going to vanish in this youth camp. And at the end of the, by the end of the camp, a, a cutting scars on a girl's arm had vanished. I come back to church on a Sunday night at Bethel, and I stood up, and I opened up with that testimony. There was a girl there in the service who had been cutting, and when I said that testimony, she said in her heart, she, and guess what? She doesn't have a dad. She's a hurting kid. She's sitting there, and she said, oh, that'd be amazing. And then the next thought, but that'd be stupid. No way that could happen for me. So then the worship's going. She looks down at her hands, and a teacher from the local high school had brought her to the, to the church. Amen. Praise it. Give, give a shout. And, um, and this teacher had brought her from a local high school, and she had cutting scars. And uh, she's sitting there, and I called it out. And by the end of the worship service, those deep red scars had grown light pink. She comes up to me at the end, and she's just freaking out. A month later, she came up to me. They were barely there at all. I had talked to a trauma wound nurse on an airplane once, and they said there's four levels of scar healing that take place, and she said it takes months for it to go away. So for it to go away that fast within a month, she said, that is a miracle. This girl's scars all but 99% vanished off of her arm. She comes up to me a month later and tells me that. And then she says, then she tells me, and then she says, the miracle didn't stop there. I said, really, what else happened? 
I got my prayer language. I'm sitting in my bedroom, and I just got filled with the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord, and this girl is just getting renewed and transformed. It's amazing what God is doing. He's moving in the midst of a famine. You are, you are a lighthouse in the midst of a famine, church. The river of God is flowing from word of life in the midst of a famine. The world might be losing their crackers. But this place right here is called to be a beacon of light in this city. And you are. I actually have a word for you. Matthew 4.23, the Bible says that Jesus went about healing all. Everybody who came to him, they came from all over the region. Paralytics, epileptics, and he healed them all. Matthew 4, 23 through 25. You can look it up. This is the word for this church. But the, the word is this, that the, the um, Jesus is no longer on the earth. Don't, don't call me a heretic real fast. Just listen to me, okay? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit to you. And when we get famous for healing the epileptics, when we get famous for seeing marriages healed, when we get famous for doing what Jesus did, you won't have room enough to contain what God wants to do here. Does that make sense? Yeah. She got excited. Come on, let's go. Amen. So what do you do? We're in the midst of a famine. America needs saved. Last month, last summer, I'm sitting in my house. I'm looking at Instagram. Just bad news, right? Looking at the news. It's all bad. And I, I put my head back and I said, God, what are we going to do to see America saved? And I fell half asleep. And these words hit me in the face, one hope for America. And I sat there and said, there's one hope for America. Long story short, I bought it online, started pursuing the Lord for what this means. And I'm launching, I've launched an evangelistic ministry to be a voice for America, to say there's only one hope for America. I, listen, when I went to the polls, I voted red all the way. But if who you voted for is they're not gonna change a person's heart. Only Christ can change a person's heart. Amen, we can end abortion, and I think it will. I think we're gonna end abortion, and it's gonna be great. However, a heart of a person still wanted to end the life of a person. That needs transformed. A law is not gonna transform a heart. Only Christ can transform the heart. There are people in Mesa that are afraid, that are bound in anxiety, that are bound by the voice of the devil, and all it takes is somebody going and releasing a word. Faith comes by hearing. Just like yesterday, I'm like, God loves you. Really? This kid was blown away. Your city's waiting for you to show up. Amen. So what happens? How do we get out of this? So I'm launching out. One Hope for America. I, we already came to How many kids were our, our first One Hope for America event? Let's go. You were there, the first one. All right? We're, we're dreaming right now. We went to Mesa Amphitheater and... I looked at it and I'm dreaming about doing our first large event right here in your city with you guys. Because I want to see America saved. And to be honest, you know what moved me to come to Phoenix? Your pastor. Because he's a man of faith. This is why I'm in Phoenix. It's because of you. Because I came, I called him on the phone, he's a friend, and I just said, man, I just gotta, I'm just processing what God put in my heart. And the first thing he did is he wanted to sew into it. And I'm like, Man, a lot of people give you a pat on the back, but when somebody sends dollar bills, you know they believe. <clears throat> and so just that agreement of faith, I want to work with a man of faith and, and just build with somebody who, who longs for the kingdom like you do. So I'm here because you're, you're a pastor. 
That's why I'm in Phoenix. I don't have a word for a city yet. I have a word for a nation. I want to see America saved. There's only one hope for America. We're going to see America saved. We're going to see this nation turned back to God because there is no famine that's greater than the river of God. The river of God, wherever it flows, brings life. But here's what I do know. As an evangelist, it's not the man of faith and power for the very hour. It's not about, it's not a day of the, of the man of God. It's the day of the God of the man. And right here, I'm in a church of people who are mothers, fathers, business owners, educators, students, amazing people who've said yes to the Lord, who are looking to reach out and just want to do something. How many of you guys want to bring change to Mesa, to Mesa, I'm not in California, Mesa, Arizona, to your families, to your workplace, to the businesses around you. You can't underestimate what God's put inside of you. It's going to be powerful. But I have a word for you right now I'm about to release, and then we're going to pray, and I believe we're going to see transformation happen through your life. Because anytime God wants to deliver a city or deliver a nation, he first sends a deliverer. Hey, Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. But pastor, I'm not, a, I'm not a preacher. I didn't say he sends a preacher. God appears to Moses in the form of a burning bush, and he's like, God, you got the wrong guy. I can't even talk. And you're calling me to go talk to Pharaoh. I can't even put words together. Moses had such a bad stutter. Sometimes God calls us to do the very thing that we're not even good at because he knows we're going to give God all the glory. And everybody's going to look at you and say, Jimmy did that. Man, we know that was God. <laughs> I'm trying to connect this dream thing on the inside of you to the transformation somebody else needs. Do you understand that when you step into the fullness of what God's put inside of you, somebody else comes alive? There's a famine in Mesa. A famine, what is a famine of? It's a famine of the word of God. People are in a famine. They don't know how God feels about them. Nine out of ten times, and that's a conservative estimate. When I'm on the streets talking to people and I say, have you ever heard of what it means to be born again? They're clueless. They've never even heard those words. If you're in this place and you're over 50 years old and you understand the Billy Graham generation, the, all of America knew what born again meant in that time, not today. It's not a preacher that's going to bring transformation. It's a body activated, getting famous for healing, famous for sharing what God's doing, learning how to partner with the kingdom to release it on earth as it is in heaven that's going to bring transformation and break this famine. Okay, I got to get into this word. I'm just circling right now because this word is so powerful. How are we going to bring transformation? Here's what happened in Israel and in Syria. So it's a famine, right? You get it. Verse 3, there were four leprous men at the entrance of a gate and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? Now, if you young people don't understand what leprosy is, basically it's a skin disease you get and you get eternally quarantined and shipped off to Siberia for the rest of your life because your nose falls off, your digits fall off, your life just falls apart, you become a bag of rotting flesh, and when somebody touches you, immediately leprosy gets transferred. So these four leprous men that were quarantined from the rest of Syria are sitting there at the gates of Syria waiting to die. 
And they said to each other, why are we sitting here until we die? If we enter the city, famine's in the city, we're going to die there. If we sit here, we die also. Now, you know what? Let's go to, out there to the Syrian army. The Syrians, again, had laid siege of Samaria. And the Syrian army was right outside the camp. Let's go out there to the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we live. But if they kill us, we only die. <laughs> this is like radar and mass, you know, and these other guys. They're just like, well, what's our, what's our chances? Let's roll the dice. They were already dead. Everybody say they were already dead. They had a big, they're like, what risk? Let's just go for it. So they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Now this giant army had come in and ransacked Samaria and had caused such a famine in their nation. And they're so powerful. And when these four stooges, I'll call them, run out to the camp, they're like, there's not nobody here. This is amazing. Verse 6, for the Lord, everybody say the Lord, had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they had said to one another, look, the king of Israel is hired against us, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt, to attack us. So therefore they, they got up, they left their donkeys, this big giant army, they left everything, donkeys, horses, everything, lost their marbles, and they took off running outside of the camp because they thought we're about to get killed, and they just went running. You know you're out of your mind when you lose, leave your horses to start running. This is what's going on in the enemy's camp. It's still what's going on in the enemy's camp. These four leprous men, they come walking in the city like, whoo, look at this. This is amazing. So they went around and they got some Chick-fil-A. They began to eat over there, some Chick-fil-A. Then they went out and they got some tacos, you know, with some good sauce on it. I'm just kidding. It's not. They had tacos. This guy's looking at me right there like, Dad, they didn't have tacos back there. <laughs> they went over there and they got some filet mignon. In other words, they got the best of the best. These four guys who realized they were already dead took a big risk and stepped into abundant blessing. They stepped into big breakthrough. And then they got silver and then they found gold and clothing. And they went over there and they got a Gucci bag. And then they got some... Found their favorite cologne. I mean, they went from being lepers to almost dead to being rich. The riches of an entire nation. Then they entered another tent and they carried some on there. And then they did what a lot of people do with abundant blessing. They took this huge blessing and they thought, what are we going to do with all this? They went, this is hilarious. This is what a poverty mindset will do to you. They went and they hid it. She got it right there. She about fell out laughing over in the chair. They hid everything like, we don't want nobody to who are they going to hide it from? Everybody's gone. They hid it. And when they begin to hide the blessing, they said to one another, and I believe these words embody the spirit of Christianity. Right here in Mesa, Arizona, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come and take us. Therefore, let's go. Everybody say go. go. Say it again. Say go. go. What Jesus say? Say it again. Say go. go. 
let's go and tell the king's household. So they go tell the king's household. The king didn't believe him at first. They went out, discovered it was true. And within a day, the famine was broken. And, and inflation pff, went away. And things went back to normal. What happened? Four guys took a giant risk. They realized they were already dead. And they went for it. I'm going to just tell you just a few quick points if you're taking notes. Number one, dead people are the most dangerous. When you fathers forget about what everybody else thinks about you. Young people, you will lead the greatest high school campus, junior high campus revival in history of the world. If you actually forget what anybody else thinks about you. If you lose your mind and you, you like, I don't care what anybody else thinks, and you just live for revival on your campus, you will see an outpouring of revival hit your campus like you've never seen before. Dead people are the most dangerous. When we have fathers stand up and, and they're just like, you know what, I don't care what happens to me. They need to live. And you go in the power of the Holy Spirit knowing the word of God is in your heart and you just share the love of God with somebody. Man, you, never, you don't know what's going to happen to somebody else. Most of the time, we're too concerned about ourselves. How many of you guys ever go to do something for God and you get hit with fear? Anybody else here battle fear besides me? Okay, just checking. All right. What does fear get you to think about? Yourself. Fear is more than a feeling, it's a spirit. Because the anointed one lives on the inside of you. And if he can get you to think about yourself and not about Jesus, then he can deflect you away from bringing breakthrough. Because he knows when you just rise and shine, the enemy loses all of his power. Because he's already defeated on the cross. Mentor of mine, he was personally a, a, a son of Reinhard Bonnke. I asked him one time, I said, you ever battle fear? And he goes, oh, yes. Wrote about it in my book. He said, I went to Brother Bonnke one time, and I said, how do I overcome fear? And Bonnke said, fear is not real. Show me the proof. It's a ghost. If I go to step out and say something to that friend, they're all going to reject me. If I, if I call this friend, if I, you know, reach out, if I pay for that person, this is all going to go bad. And you just have all this narrative go on in your mind and talks you right out of it. How many of you guys have ever been there before? It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. Dead men are the most dangerous. Number two, God will put your obedience on a megaphone. The four stooges. Radar. Imagine radar. Frank. Young people, that's your parents. You know unqualified, digits falling off, somebody missing a nose, decides to just go for it. What does God do? He takes heaven's megaphone and puts it on their feet. And what do the Syrian army hear? They hear the noise of chariots. They hear the noise of the enemy coming. Oh, surely the kings of the Hittites are coming to take us out. They've been hired. They're going to take us out. Let's run. If I go to answer the call, if I go to start that, that thing, uh, you know, that Bible study at my work, if I go to do something, if I go to reach out to that apartment complex, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. No, the enemy's going to put your obedience on a megaphone. He is already defeated. He has no power, and he's going to send you out. God's going to send you out to bring transformation. He's going to put your obedience on a megaphone. Why? Because we've stepped into the abundant Christian life. We owe the world an encounter. I know I'm preaching long right now, but this message is too good to not just preach it. 
Listen, we, have, we live in the abundant Christian life. You got, what do you need? What do you need? You can get it right here from God. You can get it right here in the house of God. The enemy tells you, your marriage is over, it sucks, blah, blah, blah. You're going to listen to that? False evidence appearing real, fear? Or are you going to come to the men of God and say, I need you guys to pray for me. God will break that pornography addiction. He will destroy the works of the devil out of your life, and you will step into the abundant Christian life as you step out of fear. Come on, somebody. Shout amen. Yeah. We live in abundant Christian life. This is the life we live in. Everything we want or need in life was purchased at the cross. And when we come to the word and we step into the light, man, we get to lay hold of that very thing. And number four, the last thing I want to say is once you get possessed with how good God is, once you get possessed with, with what the Father wants to do, and you realize you are the deliverer lives on the inside of you, ha, you realize, man, I can't remain silent. How are we going to end the famine in Mesa, Arizona? How are we going to end the famine in America and break the back of the devil's voice? Is the body of Christ recognizing who lives on the inside of them and says, I will go. Come on. Come on. Come on. You got to hear this. Listen. Ah, there's a story in chapter one of my book. You guys got to read this. I'm just going to tell it to you right now. It's a young man named Caleb Wallace. I don't know if you know him. You know his brother. I don't know if you know Caleb. Caleb was just a normal kid, man. Dad was in jail. I became like a dad to this kid, just love on him and his brother. And Caleb was, he became an aquatic center. He came to my youth group, and he's sitting there, and he heard me say one time, if you want to find out if God's real, go into your room, close the door. Stay there until God talks to you. I don't remember saying it, but that's what he said. So Carlos, you know what he did? He went into his room, and he prayed. God talked to him, and that's how he got born again. So Caleb, Caleb was hungry for God. He began to read books by Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake and all these revivalists. And he began to just get stirred. And one day he goes to work, he gets the job at an aquatic center in Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> and he's sitting there at the aquatic center. It's the very first day on the job, somebody drowns. And he looks over and they pull this guy out of the, out of the water. He'd been drinking, you know, and swimming at the same time. And they're sitting there and they hook up the E-gauge machine to his chest, trying to bring him back to life. One minute goes by, nothing. Two minutes goes by, no pulse. Three minutes goes by, four, five minutes. You know... The brain is gone after that. Five minutes goes by. He's sitting there, longest five minutes of his life. People all around watching what's going on. Six minutes goes by. Seven minutes. And he has this thought, this is my moment. It's my time. I can't be silent. Puts his hands out above his head and says about this loud, Jesus, have your way. Instantly, the young man sits up coughs up a bunch of blood and water and comes back to life, raised from the dead. It wasn't the evangelist. wasn't the pastor. It was an 18, 19-year-old kid who was willing to say, I'll go and end the famine in somebody else's life. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me right now? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for what you want to do in Mesa. Thanks for what you want to do in this, in this room right here.
Thanks for your presence. Right now, if you're in this place and you'd say, you know what, I don't know that I've surrendered my life to Christ. I know I've been, I've been around God. I've been around church. I don't even care if you're raised in church. Listen, you can stand inside of Wells Fargo all day long, and it's not going to make you a $100 bill. <laughs> Is Christ the Lord of your life? He sent his son Jesus to take away the sin of the world. All the church attendance in the world won't take it away. All the giving, all the good works, all the stuff in the world won't remove the sin that plagues your conscience. But no, Jesus came, he looked at you just like he looked at the leper and he said, I am willing. And he put his hand on him and said, be cleansed. This is the God that wants to come into your life today. This is the God who wants to love you. If you're in this place and you'd say, you know what, I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. I want Jesus. I have a famine in my life. It's a famine of shame, famine of guilt, a famine of, of hiding. And I, I just, I've been trying to do it on my own. I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying. Listen, the Bible says that the end of the law is Christ. When you get to the end of yourself is where you're gonna find Jesus. And he is faithful. He'll be there. He'll be there. But you gotta be willing to do one thing. I said it earlier. You gotta be willing to forget what everybody else thinks. You gotta be willing to forget what even your own self thinks. And you gotta be willing to lose your life. And that's how you're gonna find it, is by coming to Christ just as you are. So if you're in this place and you say, you know what, I wanna surrender my life to the Lord. I need God. I need God. He is here to meet you with his love and his power every head bowed, every eye closed in this place, if you'd say, you know what, that's you, that's you, that's me, Tom, that's me, I want to pray for you, I want to pray for you, Jesus said this, if we agree on anything in prayer together, it will be done for us, I want to believe God for your breakthrough today, for your soul to be baptized in his love, you know, many times, many times people gamble on a lot of things today, they gamble on they gamble on relationships. They gamble on all sorts of stuff. Don't gamble with your own soul. Why would you do that? Today is the day. If that's you right now and you say you're ready to respond and surrender, just raise your hand up right now. Go. Raise it up. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you, son. God bless you. See, you guys are not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Thank you, God. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus. Come just as I am. Wash me in your blood. Make me brand new from the inside out. Now put your hand on your heart and say, Jesus, I'm willing to go. I want to be a deliverer. I want to help others come to know you. Come, Spirit of God. Break through in this room. Break through in this room. God's touching you right here, son. Holy Spirit's on you right now. He's touching you right now. Just receive it right now. Point your hands right here towards him. Anybody just pray in tongues right now. Fire of God. Touch in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. He's putting a movement on the inside of you. Fire. Fire of God. Fire of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Touch. In Jesus' name. Just reach out your hands and say, Holy Spirit, I want you. 
rivers of living water. Touch. Jesus' name. You know, um, you know, when the Lord speaks to you about, you know, something that's going to happen, then all of a sudden he brings people to help equip for that, you receive it, right? And so I'm, I'm so thankful for Tom and just the people that God keeps sending uh, to stir up that passion for the lost, you know, because it's so easy to become a church that is just self-serving. And if you don't know what I mean by that, it's, it's like, it's easy to just get comfortable and feel good, we come, you know, we grow, we're happy that we're advancing, we're happy that we're prospering, but, you know, Jesus said, go and make disciples, you know, and so the moment where we stop reaching out and just become all self-centered, we've completely missed the mark of, you know, what the goal of the kingdom is to bring heaven to earth, to to let people know in simple ways, like, I, I love how he's sharing his testimony, just saying like, hey, has anybody told you today that Jesus loves you, and, and just how people... And so we live so, um, I think sometimes just in a very small world or bubble that if we're okay, then we really don't care, you know, what everybody else is going through. It's just like, oh, you know, we might feel bad, but, but it's the gospel that changes people. It's Christ in people that really transforms somebody. It's not going to be anything else. And so if today um, you say, you know what, I need a passion for souls because I've kind of kind of fallen into that rut, you know, I'm going to ask Tom to just pray for you, you know. And so, so if you say, like, I need that passion for the loss, I, I need that boldness to, you know, to just come out of myself. Like he was saying, dead people are the most dangerous. Why? Because they don't care what people think when you go, hey, you know, Jesus loves you. And they're like. And so would you just, I don't know, call, I don't know, somehow call for those that want that yeah, and impart that boldness sure. onto them. Yeah. If you want that boldness, come on down here. You know, and w while you come up here, I I'm just going to tell you, um, Tom didn't say this, but he's been pastoring youth for many years. So if you're wondering, wow, this guy has a very unique style, it's because he's a youth pastor, <laughs> but has now been released to go be an evangelist into, you know, into the country. And his pastors have blessed him and sent them, sent, go, we go behind you and happens to be that Phoenix is the first place he's, he's coming to. So, so we as local church, we say thank you. You know, when somebody comes to, you know, how would you receive somebody that says, hey, I, I want to come clean your whole house? <laughs> like, really? Like you have your own house <laughs> and you wanted to come pour into ours and that's what's happening so we're thankful so good <clears throat> I'm trying to make this spirit of evangelism as palpable as possible because how many of you guys know who Todd White is the world doesn't need another Todd White what's your name needs another Chuck Jack, called you Chuck. I was like, that's a sweet name. Jack, world needs another Jack. What's your name? Abby, world needs another Abby. What's your name, sir? What's your name? Robert, world needs another Robert. 
You might not be like me, and that's okay. I'm not trying to make you like me. But the reason I go and I preach on airplanes sometimes and do things like that is not because it's my job. If I was to become a janitor, I would be the most evangelistic janitor you've ever met in your life. Because, simply put, I just can't be silent. I've seen too much. So it's not about the volume. It's not about what it looks like on Instagram or YouTube. It's simply about what is God's heart. If you can get this, guys, I'm telling you, everything will change. And if you open up your heart to this, it will change your life. What is God's heart for that person you're standing in front of? One person. That's all. That is all. It is not about stadiums. It is not about massive crowds. It's about the one person you're standing in front of. What is God's heart for that one person? And that's why I can't help myself. Because I've lived, this, this message, I've lived that abundant Christian life. I've been so blessed to have the chuck-a-rama of Christianity in my life. So put your hands on your heart. Everybody just put your hands on your heart. There's going to be a fire that comes on you guys up here, and it's going to spread to this church. So right now, say this. Say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you to put fire inside of me for the one that's in front of me. Come, Holy Spirit, and baptize my heart in fire in your love to move me with conviction of eternity and the person standing in front of me. Now I'm going to ask you to pray something really dangerous. How many guys want the Holy Spirit? How many guys want the more of God? Anybody else here besides me? How many guys want a baptism of fire? Let me show you one key on how to receive so much from God you won't know what to do with yourself. There's one key. You ready? There's one key. You ready? Do you remember when you signed that contract for your house? You looked through all everything and then you, you read it all first and then you signed? In the kingdom of God, Jesus hands you the contract. It's blank. You sign it, and then he fills it in. He says, who will go for us? I'll go. I'll go. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. And that's the one whom God will put his spirit on. Yes, God. I'll go. Yes, God. I didn't dream about being a youth pastor for 20 years. I just said, I looked at a bunch of kids and said, yes, God. And then God put his spirit on me for a generation. And now I'm looking at America saying, yes, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll go. Where are you calling me? Phoenix. Awesome. I'll go. That's how I got here. So if you want to be in the middle of the river of God, yes, God. Yes, God. So put your hand on your heart right now and just say, yes, God. Yes, God. Come on, now personalize it right now. Say, I'll, right now, just pray. I'll go to fourth period. God, I'll go talk to that kid. Lord, I'll, 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 go, I'll go to Walmart. Lord, I'll, I'll take my social media page and use it for your glory. Yes, God, I'll go. Yes, God. Put your hand on the person next to you right now and just pray. In your mercy, God, have no mercy on them. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit, God. How much does God want to give you, Trent? He wants to give you so much 
until the, everybody around you sees Jesus in your life. Thank you, God. There's a creativity on you. God's about to multiply in your life. It's going to happen online. It's going to happen through your hands. You have a, a creative eye that you see. I see you just making video and just being, beginning to like create video and just begin to tell story. And you're going to take testimonies of the glory and the goodness of God and miracles, signs, and wonders. And you're going to begin to create videos and testimonies. And it's going to go online. It's going to, people are going to get born again, saved, and healed through the creativity that you put together to just put online. Yes, God. Yes, God. Amen. Now, right there, I want you to just sit there. And you might be like, I don't know. Maybe God's going to, he's going to give you an idea. He's going to give you a feeling, a vision, a dream, something. Right now, just say, God, what's the first step? Just pray that. What's the first step? Thank you, God. How many of you guys heard something right there? What did God say to you? A willing heart. That's beautiful. What did God say? Share it your job. Call center. Come on, share it your job. That's awesome. What else? Anybody else say something? Surrender. Beautiful. Step forward. Trent, you hear anything? Forgiveness. Beautiful. Come on. Anybody else hear something? Hmm? Slow down. I love that. It's so good. All right. God, give us your heart for Mesa. I just, this is scary. I'm telling you right now, put your hand on your own heart right there and say, Jesus, break my heart for what breaks your heart. Put the one in front of me. I'll stop. I'll stop for the one. No, I just tricked you right there, okay? You just prayed that. You just told God. You got to keep your word now. I'll stop for the one. <laughs> I'll go. Come on, let's give Jesus praise. God is good. God is good. Wow. All right, so we're going to hear testimonies next week. That's what's going to happen, right? Just like, like Tom's testimonies. Even if you're just having to step away because you stepped in the middle of a drug deal. And, hey, that's the testimony, you know. That's the seed sowed. So stand with me. I'm going to dismiss you uh, real quick here. And uh, if you want to sow into One Hope for America, please just write up an offering or do it online and put on the notes, One Hope for America. Um, yeah, or you can just fill out an envelope, bring it to the, to the buckets, and, and we're, we're going to do this thing. And it's going to be awesome. And so thank you so much, Tom. Appreciate you. Thank you for, uh, for pouring into us, for stirring our hearts up for the lost, you know. Uh, that has eternity in it. When somebody hears, when somebody hears the gospel, you know, like that has eternity in it, and it's it's one of the few things that you get to take into eternity. Nothing else here, you know, no cars, no houses, no no money, no nothing material that goes into eternity. But but souls that got to hear uh, from you, like those things, will count for eternity, and that's powerful. And so I bless you. We bless all the fathers. We thank you, God, for an awesome day, Lord. And we ask you to just uh, be with us, continue to speak with us, give us boldness for the one standing in front of us, and show us clearly, let us hear and see clearly what your heart is for the person in front of us. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you all. Have a great day.